If you're always searching for your next great adventure or seeking answers to complex questions, if you think of yourself as someone who takes charge, is there for others, breaks down barriers, or sees the world for what it can be, then you're just what we're looking for. CIA is searching for women of all skill sets with these traits and others to join the Directorate of Operations and help protect our nation. Visit CIA.gov careers. See yourself here. You're listening to One-on-One -on -one with DP. Presented by Beatrice Bakery on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Welcome back. Uh, I want to thank Everett Gray, you former running a rebel, uh, for hanging out for an extra segment. Lots to talk about, lots to break down. Um, Everett, I'm, so I was just introducing Rico to all the plates and metals and screws that are in my body since I, I left Salt Lake City. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, he's more metal than he is man. Yeah. yeah. What? <laughs> but Everett, no, I was I was still slightly athletic when I was hanging out with Everett, so. Uh, at least, you know, I got some validation there. Um, we were talking about the transfer portal, and then we were talking about talented teams sharing the ball. So, Tark was really good at delegating authority, right? So, he right. he had solid people in place, very task-oriented with who was responsible for this group, this particular feature, and otherwise. Who was the offensive mastermind? for the, that UNLV team? Um, it was uh, Tim Gergerich. Um, everybody in the basketball world and any basketball person, if, if anyone from Nebraska is listening to your radio show, everybody know who Tim Gergerich is. Mm -hmm. um, it was Tim and Coach Coach Tark um, with our system. Um, the two-guard always ran the right side. Uh, the the three-man always ran the left side. And then obviously the big, the four and fives, um, ran the middle of the floor. Whoever got the rebound, the opposite big went to the middle of the floor. That's what we played. That's it's it wasn't rocket science, EP. It was just the two guard. And if you notice all of Anderson's points, if you go back in the archives, he's running the right side of the lane. He's dunking the ball on the right side. Vice versa, Stacey Ogden, myself, J.R. Ryder, we're running the left side of it before mm -hmm. and that's that was it you run wide you always ran wide and uh those two big guys running the floor and then greg uh was you know the orchestra of of that offense and then you just have your hands ready and play basketball it's not right rocket science but everybody uh everybody knew what to do we knew where everybody's going to be at at all times and uh, and that was a, a kind of a special thing with that team so on the other side of that, as you said, the, the greatness of the program was defense. Right. What was what was what was the thing that that team did better than anybody else? So let me let people know. So we always denied one pass away, mm -hmm. and and we always had a weak side because we really wanted to get in the passing lanes. So we got backdoored. Um, we always had somebody on the weak side waiting, and we'll rotate out of that and it's hard to explain but we just denied the wings extremely hard on every possession inbounds plays one pass away and if you can go back you can hear Tark yelling just hey one pass away and it's the same thing I do <clears throat> with my club because 
you know, people worry about getting back door, but it's going to be somebody on the weak side because if you're four passes away, DP, Enrico, you're not, you're not hugging your guy on the weak side. You're helping all the way in the paint just in case that dude goes baseline, mm-hmm. uh, gets a back door. So that's basically what it was. But we denied inbounds plays, side out-of-bounds plays, and obviously when we're on the floor, we try to deny um, uh, one pass away. We always try to get deflections. That was our thing. They charted deflections, DP, mm. to, um, to if you get a deflection, deflection, it slows the ball up where you can get a steal in that passing lane if you're a little late. So that was that was our system. But and you got people out of system like that. That deflection mattered. Like I, Jay Foreman mm-hmm. and I were talking earlier, and I said, look, there's so many little details that people miss, but the fact that the little things become a priority. Like you guys made the little stuff, deflections, uh, no mm-hmm. offensive rebounds against you. Yeah, you can see they back cut every now and then because it would mm-hmm. give you two or three steals and easy buckets on, on that side. Um, for, for Coach Tark during games, Fred Holberg is a, is a very stoic kind of guy. Tark right. would sit and just chew on his towel. And the yeah. assistants did the work. The players did the work. Like you guys, you on the bench, you were still coaching, right? So the thing is that with Tark, he, uh, I've seen him coached like three times where he had to actually say something in the in the in the huddle. Obviously, the Duke game, um, the Arkansas game, we were one and two, um, and then when we played, actually we played Princeton because they drove us nuts. Back cut, back cut, back cut. Mm-hmm. Back cut, yeah. And, you know, we beat him by 30, but it was only like 89 to 59 or something like that. Mm-hmm. They totally took the air out of the ball. And that's the only time he was really frustrated. And uh, it was another time you can you can have Seth Greenberg. Uh, he can comment on this. Seth actually um, stalled in the Big West Championship, and he was Tark was so mad he wanted to kill Seth. Mm-hmm. Uh, he stalled, and he shot every time under five seconds. Uh, and Larry was like yelling at Seth Greenberg. It was hilarious, but they we only beat them sixty nine to twenty nine. So, you said only um, by forty. You only beat them by forty. But you got to realize that the previous <laughs> two games we beat them by fifty both times. So he was like, "Let's try this." But the thing is that you know the the only time coach really talked was that Final Four game and a couple CBS games. But um, uh, he did all of this talking in practice, DP. We did a week. We did a lot. Of, remember, we practiced three hours, three and a, three and a half hours, and then our shoot around was like an hour and a half, full practice, going at each other. So, um, but we did all of our work in practice, and then when the game came, it was as easy because we did so much work. You got to realize too, playing against that second team with two NBA, three NBA players on that second team. Yep. The practices were very competitive mm-hmm. and it was uh, it was fun we went at each other it was, but it was good a good spirited um competition in practice hey y'all Darius rucker here you know a lot of people ask me what inspires your music and one of the big things is a strong sense of place that's why i love my home state of south carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer from the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. 
As a cloud leader at Deloitte, I get to work every day with innovators who don't just wonder what's possible, they engineer it with cloud. If you're one of those people, you'll like Deloitte's OnCloud podcast, where my co-host Mike Cabas and I talk with business leaders and explore how to use cloud to impact business models, revenue streams, workplace cultures, AI adoption, and more. Join me, David Lenticum, by subscribing to OnCloud, where you get your podcasts. You, you mentioned the transition, both guards on, on the wing, a lot of quick pass back and forth from a corner to the wing, allowed you to back cut if you needed to, if you got out in front, open jumper if, if it was necessary. Wings on the other side, three and four, or, or three to the left side, and then getting your fours and fives to the front of the rim. One's in a delay, one's in a full sprint, right? That shouldn't right. ever change, right? Never changed. It never changed. We ran the same thing every game. We never changed. We were targeted like, uh, if you want to beat us, stop that. We don't care if you you think you know you think you can stop it. If you see it in, on film, and it's a little bit different when you have athletes like Larry George Ackles and Stacey Ogden running at you full speed along with Anderson, um, and then you have Travis Bice with a, he has a strap, won't miss. Don't leave him. You can't double Larry because Anderson or, or Travis is coming in and shooting the ball. But the thing is that we just ran our system and we just like basically stop it. I dare you try to stop it, but you better be in shape. That's the other thing too. Our conditioning was on point, DP. Mm-hmm. Well, it's functional conditioning. Like you guys went after each other. Your practice, as much as you said, you know, you, you wanted a, wanted a way out, but you guys put in work. And it showed. Like, it, it just – long games weren't an issue for you. You usually outlast – you either more talented than, outcoached them, or outlasted them. To have all three right. things is how you have the kind of – the run that you guys had. Um, for for me, I get curious about Tark being able to get that l- level of talent and quantity of talent right. to Vegas. Because mm-hmm. – you don't naturally think of Vegas as a place for recruiting, but you guys managed to get nine or ten guys who all could have been stars anywhere in the country, and you got them to make the concession to be part of one of ten or one of twelve under Tarkadia. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing let, let me let me get back to the conditioning. Let me just tell you what we did so people know. People always ask me questions about UNLV. Um, about Tart's conditioning, and I'll just just real quick. We we ran at three in the afternoon. And Rico, when the last time you've been in Vegas in the summer at three in the afternoon? I wait. <laughs> uh-huh, was it? Yeah, that's for that's for the real folks. Yeah, so we ran at three o'clock in the afternoon in Las Vegas. We were, we had to run a mile, and then we did all this competition stuff at three. It was super hot, and that's where we got our like when we when practice started, DP. We were already ready to go. We, he didn't have to get us into shape when it came to that. Now, when it comes to recruiting, um, he recruited California. He only took maybe Mr. Basketball in Nevada at that time because they didn't have that many high schools at that time. Um, he he tried to get some Bishop Gorman kids because people don't realize Bishop Gorman has been around for a minute. Right. And they always been good. They've been good since the 70s. People just don't realize the only one he missed out on was Matt Offick and Brian Williams, aka Bison Dele. Yep. People don't realize he went to he went to he went to Bishop Gorman first before he transferred. 
to St. Monica's High School. Uh, but the thing is that he just jailed all these guys together. I was going to go to UNLV, almost with Arizona, to be honest, um, DP, because Clark jumped on me later because he, uh, he couldn't get a one another McDonald's All-American. So uh, that, that it fell out. He didn't get Sean Kemp. I believe that's who it was. Mm. Uh, or Chris Mills, one of the two. Wait, 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 so just, yeah, mm-hmm. wait, wait, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. So as great as that roster was and a greater run as it was, are you telling mm-hmm. me that it almost included Chris Mills and Sean Kemp and or Sean Kemp? Yeah, see, that's the thing is that um, <laughs> that that class, uh, if he would have got what he wanted, it would have been me, Kemp, Mills, and I think a Leron Ellis. I don't know if you remember Leron Ellis. Of course Ellis. you remember Leron Ellis, man. Right. So you got to realize all these guys are on campus uh, on visits. I can tell you so many stories, DP, about who, who would have came there. Like, I would have, if Tark would have kept his job and they didn't force him out, I think we would have got Ed O'Banny and Charles O'Banny. Um, I think I would have played a couple years with them. They were on them too. Uh, another kid named Sean Tarver that I, I grew up with. Uh, he ended Tarver up going to UCLA. Tarver was a beast, man. He was a beast. But, yeah. But the thing is that, you know, guys wanted to play for Tark, and he recruited to his system. Um, and he told me flat out, you're going to black up Stacy. Is that what you want? I was like, yeah. But the thing is that I wanted to go to UNLV because, DP, you know, my brother played football there mm-hmm. with Randall Cunningham and Icky Woods and Suge Knight. You know, <laughs> Marion was my – Marion was my brother's roommate in college. Was, you called you know, him Marion. Oh. You shut up. <laughs> right. That's his, if mama named him Marion, I'm going to call him Marion. Um, I, I, I just want, like Rico just walked back in the studio. And I just, want, I just mm-hmm. want to point out this. Again, roll through that UNLV football team that your brother played on. So when I was a kid, so we used to go visit DP a lot. I stayed with my brother in the summer. So, you know, it was Randall Cunningham, Icky Woods, Marion, Shug Knight. Um, and it was a really good team. They went to a California Bowl a couple of times. They went to a couple of bowl games. But my brother was Marion's roommate, Shug's roommate in college. So um, he taught me how to steal pizza. From the pizza <laughs> you know, like he's like, this is what you do, young fella. You order, you order 10 pizzas at the neighbor's house and you order one at your house. So he's going to deliver the, ten, the one pizza to your house first. While he's delivering your pizza at your house, you run around the car and you grab the 10 pizzas out of the back seat. This was Domino's, remember that's back in the day. But that's what he's that was a little racket with pizzas. <laughs> what? <laughs> but you know, the thing is that the thing is that I really I really wanted to go to um to UNLV and and once they offered me, I committed right on the spot after we uh played in the Las Vegas invitational. And he just I knew what I was getting into. You know, my dad used to say you can be a big fish. In a little pond, or it could be a little pond, or whatever that's saying. Little know? fish, small, uh, small, small pond, big fish, big fish, uh, big pond, mm-hmm. small fish. Right, because you got to realize I was like the 29th best player coming out of high school that year, and I was—I knew I was coming in with Larry Johnson and and you know and Moses Scurry and and Antonio Davis. It was a really high. It was a, one of the top ten recruiting classes in the country. So. I wanted to be a part of that. I just grew up watching UNLV as a kid, like I said, you know, being a ball boy at the football team as a as a young young kid. So um, that's how he gets it. He gets everybody to play together, and, uh, and everybody to this day pretty much still stay stay in contact with each other and help each other. 
Evan, I'm going to ask you to hold on one more time. We'll go one final break, and we'll finish out the one the hour here on One on One. We'll be right back. Watch live on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch. You're listening to One on One with DP on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. 